Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We are seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools Fools for for Christ. Christ. Well, welcome to the show today. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. We hope that your celebration of the Triduum and Easter was amazing. Yes. So, in keeping with our celebration of the resurrection, which radically transformed the world, we're going to talk today about the need to constantly rediscover the radical nature of the gospel. So, Kimmy... This is exciting. It is. What does the word, before we go any further, because sometimes the word radical can be used in a, a less than positive way. So, if we're talking about, for instance... Uh, radicalists of one religion or another that might be violent. Um, What does the word radical mean? Well, it actually means root, R-O-O-T, doesn't it? Yes, that's what I've heard. So it's kind of, as far as I understand, when I think of the radical nature of the gospel, I think let's return to the original meaning, Mm -hmm. to the root of things, um, so that we can remember, okay, what's our purpose? Like sometimes, you know, if we think of the, the church as started as this little seed mm-hmm. and then grew and grew and grew. What we have today is beautiful. And sometimes we need to, to go back and remember what is, what's the whole purpose of this thing. Yeah. Um, so that that way, everything we have, we can say, okay, this is how it's supposed to be oriented. You know, if yeah. we've got this, this big, beautiful tree with tons of shade, what does it exist for? Uh, ultimately it, it exists for bringing us in union with God. Uh, so, to start with, I think let's look at Jesus as a radical, but not like a radical uh, in, in the modern <laughs> sense of the word. Yeah, because that's a, a that seems like when we think radical, we think someone who doesn't care about the effects that they have on others. Yeah, and they're so solely focused and bent on one aspect yeah. of something that that is all they care about. Right, and I think we we frequently confuse the ideas like zealot and mm, radical like yeah. we, we like to say okay zealot is you know that's someone who they're they're so focused or maybe like an ideologue somebody who's so focused on one thing um like you could say perhaps the uh, the founder of the lutheran church martin luther was a zealot and a uh, an ideologue and that he had um he kind of he picked a couple pet themes to really focus on mm-hmm. um whereas jesus was not uh, he wasn't a, a zealot. He wasn't an ideologue. Um, he went to the root, which was fixing our broken relationship with God and mm. putting us back in right relationship with the Father. Um, yeah. But even I would say, even as a Jew, he was radical. Um, and that I, yeah. you know, I love stories like from uh, from the Gospels when the Pharisees uh, rebuke Jesus and the apostles for eating grain on the Sabbath or, I mean, this is, this is the, <laughs> yeah. the much better one, like curing on the Sabbath. Yeah. And they're like, look, you know, you're, you're breaking the Sabbath. And he, I think in possibly the, the most pithy way possible, <laughs> he says, 
the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Um, and, you know, to, if you, for someone to get to the point where they think that it's sinful to take away suffering mm-hmm. on the Sabbath, I mean, that they've, they've put the cart before the horse yeah. there and uh, they've forgotten what it's all about. And I, I think Jesus came to, I mean, one, to fix the broken relationship, but also to say, like, you are not doing a lot of this right. And we've got to, we've got to strip a lot mm-hmm. of it away and get back to, to one thing, mm-hmm. which I think he made pretty clear when he spoke to the rich young man. Yeah. Love God and love neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that ultimately is Jesus's message. Yeah. And I, I think what that young man revealed in the way he spoke to Jesus and the, the parable, not the parable, but the story of the rich young man or the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, and Jesus first says, follow the commandments, honor your father and mother. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, I'm good. I do all that. Uh, and I've heard some people say he's looking for justification. It's almost like he wants a pat on the back and Jesus to say, like, well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> and come and enter into my rest. Yeah, You've done a good yeah. job. And instead, Jesus invites him into a relationship. Says the He wanted his religion to be a checklist system. It was almost like, you know, he could, yeah. he could kind of like rush through his work for the day and be like, wow, it's one o'clock, but I'm done. So I'm going home. And it's so almost like something mm. that you, rather than religion or your relationship with God being your life, yeah. it was something you add on almost like, you know, you, you choose your outfit for the day and okay, well, your outfit happens to have, you know, these five items on it. Um, you know what I'm you saying that just made me think when we focus on a checklist, like do the X, Y, and Z, and then you'll be holy. Yeah. It's our way of trying to control our own salvation. Instead exactly. of, <laughs> yeah. instead of just, um, allowing God to work and receiving yeah. his, his presence and his salvation in our lives and doing our part. Yes. But when we, when we think about it as a checklist, like if I pray this prayer in this way, and then kneeling in this manner, wearing this thing. For this long. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then I will get holy in X amount of days. Exactly. No, that's, and we, when we don't see those fruits, we get frustrated and we forget, like, yeah. it is not, like, it is the <laughs> Lord who waters, it is the Lord who causes mm-hmm. the growth. And that, I, no, I think there, that's probably like the best point we could come up with the whole show. <laughs> we could finish right there. Um, but we, we love to take control of our own salvation. And mm-hmm. we don't like to trust mm-hmm. because it means we ha- like we allow God to be God and mm-hmm. we allow ourselves to not be God. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult because we create this whole system where we're in control. Yeah. Uh, yeah we create a whole system where we're in control. <laughs> yeah. But we're not. No, we're not. And, and it, so we're lying to ourselves. We are. And we're saying to God, I don't really need you. Like, thanks for dying on the mm. cross and all, oh my but gosh. I, I got yeah. this. Like, no. you know, I have my prayer book. I do it every day. You, you didn't have to, uh, to be crucified. Oh my gosh. That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> Th- like, thanks for nothing, Jesus. But I mean, ultimately these are, I mean, of course the Pharisees at the time didn't know what was about to happen, no. but this was the, the type of mentality that Jesus was working yes. with in the Pharisees and scribes. Yeah. Because the religion had been a checklist system. Yeah. That's what it had become. Yeah. 
So if, if you're listening and you, you thought we were talking about like Jesus is this great political reformer, no, that's not where we're going. We are going with <laughs> Jesus who uh, like recaptured, rediscovered, rescued the uh, the beauty and the simplicity of a pure relationship with God from the, let's say like perhaps the Pharisaical, the rabbinical Juda- Judaism mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and that's the heart of Christianity is mm-hmm. love God, love neighbor. Uh, and everything the church gives us is an abundance of opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, can I share? So I had this prayer experience. Um, I was praying with the scourging at the pillar. Um, and I think it's applicable just with everything we're talking about and it being the Easter season. Um, but I was trying to stay with the Lord at the scourging, right? And um, I was doing Ignatian prayer, so I was imagining myself there, imagining the sounds and um, the the smells, the people that were surrounding me. Um, and eventually, I sought out Mary. Yeah. In the midst of that, and I, like, I asked her to show me what she was seeing in this horrific event, yeah. you know. Um, and she led me to this little boy in the crowd. And she said, this little boy will grow up believing in a God who loves him. And so but that totally changed my understanding of what, like, I did never realized that that was what was at stake. Right. That there was this lack of understanding of God as love itself. Yeah. Um, and that that was what Jesus was completely turning on its head, revolutionizing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the Jesus we're talking about. Not the politicalized. Right. We're talking about the God who enters into humanity yeah. to save us, to bring us back to the Father out of love. And I think so often we, you know, we like to say God is love, God is love, God is love, without having, a, I would say, such a, a simple, beautiful understanding as that which you just shared. That, that little boy in the crowd seeing Jesus scourged will forever remember God is love. And we need, in the, uh, just as Jesus did for the Jews of his time, we need constant reminders who is our God? He is a God of love. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Uh, you know, he, things like uh, go and learn the meaning of the words, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mm. Uh, mm. And this, I think that humans are less in need of instruction and more in need of reminder. And we just, we frequently need to yeah. be reminded yeah. who God is. And I would say in the, the same way with uh, what Jesus has called us to, we don't, always need to be like taught new things we need to be reminded of the 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 simple things that the lord has asked us to do yeah and that that brings me back to what we had already been talking about a couple podcasts ago about community yeah like how else do are we reminded of god's love but in the people around us yeah. and in his word and yeah which is you could this is a whole other show entirely but <laughs> the importance of, of um, surrounding yourself with the kind of people who are going to call you back to that mm. and who are going to to constantly remind you of the dignity of your vocation as yeah. a Christian, yeah. of a, a life of love and holiness spent serving God and neighbor. Yeah. So I, I think the best summary yeah. of whether you could say that the root of our love, <laughs> what we're supposed to do as Christians could be seen in the Beatitudes, or really the entire Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus starts with the Beatitudes for yeah. a reason. Um, and I, um, the great uh, author and philosophy professor at Boston College, Peter Kraft, 
has mm-hmm. uh, spoken at uh, num- on numerous occasions of how radical the Beatitudes are and how quickly everybody ignores them. Mm-hmm. And we like to, we're like, oh, this, these sound so nice, and we just gloss over them. Yeah. And he said, like, talk about straining the gnat and swallowing the camel or, or like, accepting something without really thinking about it. The Beatitudes, like, almost nobody can do them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, the, somebody who does all of these things really, really well is among the elite in the history of Christianity, <laughs> and we call them a saint. Like, <laughs> are you poor in spirit? Do you, do you like, mourn though? Do you mourn and, and comfort those who are mourning? Are you meek? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are you merciful? Are you pure in heart? Are you a peacemaker? I'm not all of those things. Like, I, mm-hmm. I try to be, but I'm just, I'm not there. Yeah. Um, and these things require a radically different approach to life. Yes. Um, so let's... Let's go through and talk about these. And so we want Great. to invite you, and, and uh, I think we need to invite ourselves and challenge yeah. ourselves and ask our friends <laughs> to do the same to, I mean, like Pier Giorgio Frassati, mm-hmm. the man of the eight Beatitudes. Let's become ourselves men and women of the eight Beatitudes. Mm. Uh, so the first one is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, and this one kind of, in my mind, at least, a funny image comes up, uh, like just someone who's kind of crying on, like, alone in, in a in the yeah. dark room, like a little, yeah, yeah. like a, a Disney princess on yeah. the throne over the bed. Or... Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually went to uh, the show Stranger Things and like somebody being in the upside down, all alone oh. in the dark, and you can't see anything. But there's just more. Um, oh man, that's where that's where my mind went. Sorry. No, that's that's an even better picture, man. Uh, but to mourn, I think here, um, what we're we need to, we need to be reminded of is, or let's go to the Hunger Games to use another pop, call, uh, pop okay. culture example. Yeah. Um, the people who live in Pan Am, or yeah. the, what's the the big the district where all the like, yeah, I think it's Pan Am. Okay, the capital. Yeah, the people who live in the capital. Oh, Pan Am is the country. Yeah, Pan Am is the country. The people who live in the capital. Do nothing but feast and celebrate and like primp themselves up and like modify their own image. Mm-hmm. And they pay no attention to the suffering of those around them. Mm-hmm. And I think what this is inviting us to, among other things, is to to recognize suffering mm-hmm. and go and alleviate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when if we if we don't allow our hearts to break for those who are suffering in the world. Hmm. I mean, like Jesus did that. You know, yeah. he, he looked upon Jerusalem and uh, like leading up to his passion, looked upon the, uh, the city of Jerusalem. And I can yeah. only imagine how he felt looking over this, the world he created, yet knowing that it was mm-hmm. about to reject him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when, you know, when uh, Lazarus died and knowing the suffering that was going on there, he we have, yeah, we have to allow our, our hearts to be moved with compassion for those who, who are suffering. Mm-hmm. And then we'll find true comfort, not, you know, not the comfort that, that comes from stuffing your face or, or buying lots of fancy clothes or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. So, or at least yeah. that's my take on it. I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and you talking about that, it's more of an empathy than it is like a sympathy yeah. for others. Yeah. Um, and Brene Brown has some awesome stuff on that. Um, there's a little short clip 
of her explaining like <laughs> sympathy is well at least Gia didn't do this yeah. or <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and empathy is entering into this situation with them right and finding in yourself the way that you connect with that same thing and yeah. so it really is that softening of the heart and that openness towards the other person yeah uh, a friend of mine shared with me a story one time about uh, she'd actually she had a miscarriage mm-hmm. and she had a coworker at work who was obnoxious mm-hmm. and it like nobody liked that person they were always that were probably not that nobody liked them but they were the gadfly they were the office okay. gadfly knew how to irritate people right and she, this was the last person she wanted to see and one day she was walking down the hallway and he started coming from the other direction and she couldn't avoid him yeah uh, and he had found out he heard about her miscarriage. And when he walked up to her, he opened his arms and he gave her, like, by his, by his visage, by his look, by his eyes, he communicated, he recognized her suffering. Mm. He didn't say a word. And he gave her a hug and embraced her. Mm. And it was, you know, this moment when somebody who ordinarily would have irritated her yeah. allowed his heart to suffer with this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, that taught her a beautiful lesson. And I think her... Her story teaches me a beautiful lesson. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Another one that's difficult for people. This is definitely difficult for Nike. I don't really know if you remember. They actually had a shirt that kind of mocked this beatitude okay. probably about 15, 16 years ago. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What uh, did the shirt say? Yeah, right. Like it said. I think the. Um, the best description I've had of meekness, our image of meekness is usually like a timid little church mouse. Yeah, it is. Um, but the best description I, I've heard is actually, it uses sports as the analogy. So okay. Nike was kind of a little bit spot on there. And that it's um, not preferring your victory over another person's or not preferring mm. your success over another person's. Um, and I, I think this is almost like the opposite of the rat race. You know, if you think, well, I've got, I've got to be on top, which means somebody else has to lose. This is saying, um, I'm okay with, like, with not winning here. What's mm-hmm. important to me is not that I win. It's not that you lose. But it's that I, I am excellent in whatever I do. And so even, um, I think this is a great virtue for athletes when they're playing Nobody should ever hope that the opposite team fails, Mm -hmm. that the opposite team screws up. You just hope that you do it better. Uh, And in fact, I think when people have those kind of victories where the other team gives it away, those victories don't taste as good as the victories where you really fight during. Yeah, and that's what when we think about like the game, like oh, that was the best Super Bowl ever. That was the best NBA Finals ever. It's not a blowout. It never is. It's when both teams play great. Yeah. And one team just happens to play a little better. Mm-hmm. And they they can always speak with respect to about the other team. They say, you know, they, they're a great team. They played a great game. That's what meekness is, I would say, in that um, you – and it, I think that's where the sports analogy breaks down is that in sports, yeah, you want to win. That's the whole point. But in just plain meekness – you desire to be excellent, and that doesn't mean that you have to guarantee your success at the expense of someone else. Yeah. Uh, and to say that, I mean, it's almost, it's the opposite of what you expect for Jesus to say, they will inherit the earth. Mm. Because it's the people who don't claw and scrape to get ahead <laughs> by a little bit. 
they end up fulfilled in the end. So the mirror of desire in um, Harry Potter. Um, and so there was, I think it's in, it was Sorcerer's Stone. It was the first book. So he, the, the Sorcerer's Stone is hidden in the mirror in the end. And the only way for him to get it is to be the one who doesn't want it because it's like the only way he can get it yeah. is if he doesn't want to use it. Uh, okay. And so the only way he can, um, so he ends up being able to get it and Voldemort doesn't because Voldemort wants to use it and manipulate it. And yeah. all he wants is to take it away from Voldemort and save it, right. and protect it. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> but it's a similar idea. It's There's a kind of a funny little story from a book my mom read to me as a kid. I think it was Herschel and the Hanukkah Miracle or something. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was Herschel had to play a trick on these little goblins that would come harass him every, like on the different nights of Hanukkah. Yeah. And there was one little goblin who he tricked. The goblin stuck his hand in a jar of pickles and tried to grab all of the pickles. Yeah. And then couldn't pull his hand out of the jar. You could use the same. I don't know why pickles. It could be like cookies or something. (laughs) But when you try to grab everything, you can't get it out of the hole. Yeah. And you have to release. Mm -hmm. And then you can take your hand out. Yeah. um, The, I think, uh, the one that, the beatitude that's perhaps the most challenging for me perhaps not challenging but it's it's like a bugle call for me it wakes me up and says time to pay attention and start doing this is blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy okay the you could say the corollary of that would be woe to those who are not merciful you won't receive mercy (laughs) and that's like the 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 word there in scripture for woe is great it's almost automatopoeic it's why like o-u-a-i why and you almost like you get this sense of like somebody says that to you like you're gonna it's almost like a a, an assault on your ears yeah Yeah. sorry to the the listeners if i just said that too loud but um (laughs) so blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy um this is one of those those things that's very very clear in scripture you know with um, the parable of the unforgiving servant the the man who goes to the ruler and and gets a, a unbelievable debt forgiven mm-hmm. but then refuses to forgive his fellow servant a very small debt yeah or um the um right after the our father jesus says yeah. you know that like he says forget like teach us how to pray lord um forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us and he closes the our father saying if you forgive others, you will be forgiven. Mm. And if you do not, you won't be forgiven. Uh, and I, I think we like to sometimes feel very justified in not forgiving others, yeah. especially when they don't repent or when they're unwilling to show, show uh, sorrow for their sins. I was actually talking with someone about this last night. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Right. Because the reconciliation needs to be an openness on both parties yeah. towards... Um, towards that reconciliation and it's through the power of God that that is done. But forgiveness can happen whether or not the other person is sorry or even acknowledges a wrong. Right. That's kind of what the crucifixion was all about. (laughs) (laughs) Like, thank goodness Jesus didn't wait until everybody was really sorry for what he'd done. Yeah. What they'd done rather. Um, Yeah. Because 
Like, I want to be forgiven. I don't want that to, like, I don't want to have to wait for everybody else. Yeah, and now uh, it's our job to work towards that reconciliation. Yeah. 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 Uh, so whether whether it's in our, our relationships with our friends, our family, I think especially family, mm-hmm. we have to be merciful. We have to forgive even when people have not shown repentance. Um, yeah. And then reconciliation. I think that's often the key to reconciliation because then we can at least start to love again. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's... A, Probably yeah. practically impossible to love someone that you have not forgiven. Mm. Or to love them completely, at least. And that's our goal. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to sure, the yeah. first one. Can we do that one? Yeah. Um, so, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Um, and this, I mean, we can also say the, the poverty. It, the, this is speaking to poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know you were sharing earlier to not, sometimes we think that there's like this dichotomy between um, the physical suffering and the other sufferings of, of the heart. Right. Um, and there are two different things, yes, but we can't say, well, I, um, I'm poor of spirit, therefore I don't have to give up material possessions and I don't have to embrace material (laughs) poverty, you know? And so, um, what they're talking about here, I mean, do you remember what you were saying earlier with, in regards to poverty? Yeah. So a friend of mine told me this story a long time ago. And so St. Bernard of Clairvaux way, way back was, uh, was visiting different monasteries and he, he rode up to one monastery. He had been on a horse or a donkey or something. And his stirrups were made of gold or like gold plated, very ornate. And he didn't notice. Uh, but one of the brothers at the, or one of the young monks at the monastery who was showing him around immediately saw them and his eyes were glued to them. And, uh, St. Bernard kind of continued going around the monastery, looking at different things and talking with people. And finally it drove the monk crazy. And he said, father Bernard, I like what, why are your stirrups made of gold? That's like, I, I don't know. Why don't we sell it? And almost like comically, St. Bernard kind of looked down and he's like, what? What are you talking about? He had no idea they were made of gold. And that he, was, he wasn't concerned with shiny bits of metal that you dig up yeah. out of the earth. He was concerned with people and with God. Mm-hmm. And so that's where his focus was. And once he realized that his stirrups were made of gold, he's like, yeah, we can sell those. I don't care. He had, <laughs> they, he wasn't attached to them. He didn't, he wasn't attracted and they held no mm-hmm. power over him. Um, if you're familiar with, with Lord of the Rings, go back and look at Tom Bombadil. When Bilbo, uh, where rather when Frodo gives him the ring, he puts it on, but he doesn't turn invisible mm. because it has no power over him. Therefore he like, doesn't do anything to him Hmm. and he takes it off immediately um and with so i'm not i won't explain that too much more uh for lack of time but just go read (laughs) just go read the first book of lord of the rings um yes not in the movie (laughs) yeah with um with saint bernard and with frequently with us sometimes there's there's things which yeah we could get rid of and sub but we are we're when we're doing it right i think we're more focused on on people, on alleviating mm. suffering, on taking care of the needs of others. And sometimes that means we give up our material possessions and other times it doesn't. Um, and I think there's, Jesus rightly didn't give us very many clear directions on that. He just said like in Matthew 25, the, the sheep and the goats take care of people who are poor and suffering. Mm-hmm. 
and like that's the the goal so it's good to not have a formula because if it were a formula it would become a checklist yeah and instead it's uh, where's your heart and what's going on in your heart mm. and we all know whether we're doing a good enough job of that or not yeah yeah and so when we when we're serving the poor we're serving both those who are materially suffering right um those who are hungry those who need shelter um need clothing <laughs> but also those who are alone and in pain and um and haven't heard the gospel yeah yeah and that's what i mean haven't received the love of christ yeah um i think the kind of the perfect image of like being unwilling to encounter the other and engage with them is like what we all like to do in elevators <laughs> like really awkward period where we can't do anything meaningful with someone in yeah. terms of conversation yeah yeah so we just I'm make so guilty of this <laughs> yeah we just make funny faces at them yeah um you know, we like you stand next to the elevator, just kind of look at them. They might look at you, they might not. You give like this weird shoulder shrug smile, <laughs> and you get on the elevator. What floor? Oh, same floor. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then just keep going. Uh, the worst is when you forget to press the button. You both forget to press the button, and you're and, just like standing there awkwardly for five minutes. Yeah, and you're like oh, <laughs> not that long. I didn't touch the button. <laughs> or somebody else gets on, and it's like, what? What were these two people doing? <laughs> Uh, oh man well this has been great um i'm i'm hoping to enter more into these beatitudes yes during this easter season so goal for uh between now and the next show is to pick one of the beatitudes and live it out more so we'll check back in with each other when we make the next show awesome sounds good great well we hope that your celebration of easter continues to be awesome uh if you have, if you need ideas on on what to do, how to learn, or just how to how to love God more, just read the Bible. Read about the resurrection. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. So, thank you for joining us, everybody. Have a great day, and we will be with you next time. All right. Until next time. God bless. God bless. Bye. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.